Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, we're about to go into our time of uh, teaching right now. And so if you're brand new, you won't, won't know this, but inside the program is a message note sheet. You'll definitely want to take that out. It'll help you follow along. But if you guys are all set, I'm ready to go. You guys ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, thanks you for what you're doing. Thank you for this gift of your word that is a path to life. Uh, thank you what you said, Jesus, that, that, uh, that you would transform us by the truth and that your word is truth. And so we gather every week. We just honor your word. And we just want to be under the authority of your word and your spirit. We pray that you'd come and your spirit would unfold your word. You'd open our eyes like you did for those first disciples on that first day of the resurrection. We open their mind to understand scriptures. We pray that uh, you do the same for us in your name. Amen. Well, today we're actually coming to the, the very last and the final message of a three-week series that we've been in called The Power to Give, Jesus and Generosity. And so for those of you who are new, uh, I always like to start at the beginning, just give a, a real quick breakdown of where we're at in this series. Uh, the, the series is based on a letter from a man named the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a, 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 a seaport a city, major entrepreneurial city in the ancient world in the southern tip of Greece, which was called Corinth. It's still there today. And, uh, and so Paul had come in, uh, he shared the message of Jesus, first ever to share the message of Jesus, and many people came to Christ. The church was born. He stayed there for a year and a half, uh, kind of mentoring them in their new faith, being their pastor, and then he takes off to go start some other churches. In the subsequent years, he's been writing letters, a series of letters, kind of mentoring them in their new faith, and we have a couple of those letters. So we call them First and Second Corinthians, they're in our New Testament. And so this, this series is actually based on 2 Corinthians. We've been going through the whole book, but this particular series is on chapters 8 and 9, and, and it's on this whole issue of giving. And so here's the situation. Uh, Paul is uh, uh, taking a special initiative. He's kind of leading one of these, like we're doing this week, an initiative for the poor. He's taking a special offering for some poor uh, uh, Jewish Christ followers who live in the city of Jerusalem. We're not sure why they're poor, but they're very poor. They're having a hard time putting food on the table. And so Paul is taking a offering, special offering, from many of his Gentile churches that he started that are over a thousand miles away just to, to help out these brothers and sisters in Christ as an as act of love, an act of solidarity, solidarity in the whole movement of Jesus as Jews and Gentiles being together in one church, which is really a revolutionary concept in the ancient world. And so uh, anyway, so Paul has been writing in chapters 8 and 9 about kind of what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in the area of generosity. And so he's their spiritual father, and he's coming alongside of these men and women in Corinth, and he's saying, let's talk. You've, God's grown you in so many amazing ways in your life. You've grown in your faith. You've grown in your knowledge. You've, you've grown in your speech. You've grown in your love for God and love for us, but it, it's now time for you to grow in this very important area of generosity and learning to become like Jesus in the area of our finances. And so for the last uh, couple of weeks, we've, we've talked about this. We've kind of went through chapter eight, and we've laid out seven principles. We call them generosity one. 101 and generosity 102. We're just kind of spelling out what does it look like to follow Jesus in our own life. It's some of the very best teaching in all the Bible on this whole topic, and so uh, we've been going through that. So there in your note sheet, I want to just quickly touch base on the seven principles we, we've seen so far. I'm not going to spend hardly any time here, but just want to set it up as we, we're wrapping up this series today. Uh, just I, I won't go over the verses that are there so much because we've, we've already done that the last couple weeks, but let's just run, run through them real quickly. Number one, we've learned that generosity is a gift. 
In other words, that as followers of Jesus, if we're going to become like him in this area of generosity, it's going to require a supernatural act of God in our life, that, that he's going to have to lead and move and change, just like any other area of following Jesus. So our job is to, to listen and to follow as he leads. Uh, number two, generosity is a test. We've learned that when it comes to following Jesus, that Jesus said that money is a test. He said no one can serve both God and money. That, that if we're going to be serious about following him, we have to come to a place where we give him all that we are, all that we have, and then are ready to kind of manage it for him however he leads us. And so uh, that money is a test, whether we're really serious about following him or not. Kind of the, one of the best ways to see if we're serious about following Jesus, simply check out our checkbook, and there's the answer. Number three, the third principle we've learned is that generosity is a process. That whenever we're approached by an organization, a church, uh, we have an opportunity to give to the poor, whatever it is, that we really need to go through a two-step process that Paul laid out. And step number one is we give ourselves to the Lord. Hey, Jesus, just reminding myself that I belong to you, all that I have belongs to you. Step number two, now what do you want me to give? And I give as you lead me. And so giving should never be by guilt or manipulation or just sense of duty or obligation. It should really be kind of led as God's putting it in our heart, and we'll talk about that more today. Number four, we learn that Jesus is the ultimate model. Then we're talking about generosity. This is not some kind of side par, like sidebar on the Christian life. This is really goes to the core of who we are as Christ followers. He was the one, as Paul says, he who is rich became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. And so the whole goal of learning about this is because we want to be transformed to become like Jesus. Number five, the fifth principle was that generosity is both systematic and spontaneous. We talked about this last week. As you go through the Bible, you see there's these two different kinds of giving. There's regular, systematic giving, kind of line item out of our budget, off the top. We talked about tithe, that kind of thing, that we give to fund God's movement, right? There's regular giving, but then there's also spontaneous giving that's over and above that giving. You give to the poor, you give to special projects and so on, like we're doing this week, weekend with our initiative for the poor. And then number six, that generosity is proportionate. That God doesn't expect us all to give the same amount. We all have been blessed different ways and we're to give according to the way he's blessed us. We learn that God measures giving differently than we do. That we measure by how much someone gives. God measures by how much it costs us to give. And then finally, we learned last week that generosity is for our good. That often when you come to the topic of money, it's one of those areas we tend to push back and like, you know, why does God need my money? And God has set it up this way. Because he loves us deeply, he calls us to be able to partner with him in things that truly matter for all of eternity, and, and he, so he set it up so we can participate, and that as we give, we become more like Christ if we're giving as he's leading, and we're transformed, we're set free from our materialism, our greed, uh, our self-absorption, our fear of the future that we won't have enough, and so, so we are transformed, and so Paul says, puts it like this in that verse there, here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. It's about what's best for you, all right? So, so those are where we've been so far. Now today we're going, to go, we're going to cover chapter nine and Paul's gonna lay out three more important principles as we wrap up this series. So there in your note sheet, there's a section called Growing in Generosity, the Final Instructions. And if you have your Bible, I'd like you to join me, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter nine. If you have your iPad, your phone, whatever you're using, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter nine and we'll, we'll jump in, we'll walk through and then we'll talk about these three principles. Now, as we get started today, 
we're actually not going to start at verse 1. And the reason is, is that in verses 1 through 5, Paul is continuing the section he was talking about the end of chapter 8 last week that deals with the logistics of how he's going to collect this offering. And so in the first five verses, basically what he says, he says, listen, I'm coming soon. I would like this offering to be all ready to go when I get there. And so I'm sending some brothers to come and prepare you for this so that the, the money's all ready to go. He says, because frankly, I've been bragging to these churches to the north on how God, what God's doing in your life and how generous you are. It'd be really embarrassing to all of us if I got there and nothing was there ready for us. So they're, they're, the brothers are coming just to get it ready. So that's the first five verses. But we break into chapter, um, verse six. Um, Paul begins to lay out uh, the principles. And so there's kind of three principles that he's going to be talking about today. And I don't normally do this, but I want to do it. I, I want to tell you what, what we're going to see, and then we're going to go through and see it, and then we're going to come back and talk more in depth about it. But there's three things he's going to say. Number one, he's going to, he's going to say that, that giving, and we haven't talked about this in this series, that there's a promise that God makes throughout his word that when we give as he leads, that he will bless us financially. And, and I realize that's a controversial principle. It's often been misused in the body of Christ, especially if you watch late night TV. <laughs> uh, and so, but, but Paul's very clear about that. And so that's one of principles. The second principle he's gonna talk about is that, that giving is extremely personal, that it should never be out of guilt or manipulation, that, that God wants to change us from the inside out. And so we're joyful givers. We're, we're, we, just, we love to give. And, and, it's, and so we're gonna give as he leads and we give with great joy. And then the third thing he's going to talk about is that, is that generosity is an act of worship. And that when we respond to what God's calling us to do, it leads to worship in, of God. It leads to praise of God. And so those are the three big picture things that we're going to be talking about. So let's jump in. Verse, uh, verse 6. So Paul says, remember this. And so he's talked to him about this principle before. He says, remember this, that whoever sows sparingly, using an agricultural metaphor, uh, whoever plants sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. So he's, he's, using, he's going to use an agricultural metaphor to talk about giving and receiving financially. As we go through this, this whole passage, it's going to be very clear that the topic on the table is financial giving. That's what he's talking about. And, and what he's saying is that uh, if you're a farmer and you go out to farm your fields, if you plant a few seeds, what are you going to get? Few plants, right? If you, if, you want, if you want a full harvest, what do you do? Plant a lot, right? And so what he's saying is it's the same way. In this offering, he says that I'm taking, I want you to give as God gives you, give because leads you, give generously. Because if you want to be blessed financially, you need to respond to what God's saying. It's like seed. You need to plant your seeds and then you'll receive a harvest. And so that'll become even more clear in a minute. So he says, so now, next he's gonna talk about this principle of how giving is personal. And he says, each man, kind of each person, should give what he has decided in his heart to give. So remember, the Apostle Paul was there the previous year. He had shared this project with them. They were all in. They began to give generously right from the start. They promised they would give more in the future. He says, okay, now it's time to make good on your promise. So give what you've decided to give. Follow through on what God was putting in your heart. And then notice he says that uh, it should not be reluctantly or under compulsion. No arm twisting. For God loves a what? Yeah, a cheerful giver. 
Uh, in the Greek, this is the word that for cheerful is the word uh, hilarion. What's that sound like? Hilarious, yeah. That God loves hilarious givers. Like he, he's not looking for people that are grumpy givers. Right? He, has, he has no need. It's like if you're a grumpy giver, uh, keep your wallet in your, in your pocket. You know, it's like don't write the check. It's just, if you're grumpy about this, don't do it. Right? That God, God wants people that are really have captured uh, this love for him and this love for people. And they're giving. It's a joy to them to give. And he says that's, that's what he's shooting for in our lives, to change us so we'll be like that. He says, now, and if, and if you give in that way, verse 8, he says, then God's able to make all grace abound to you. And we've seen throughout this series, this word grace is the key word in these two chapters, chapter 8 and 9. You may remember the first week I told you he would use it 10 different times in these two chapters. He uses the word grace in a wide different variety of ways. Here he's talking about financial grace. He's talking about if you give what God's put in your heart to give, that God will make grace abound to you. Notice he'll financially bless you as has become obvious as we go on here. So he says, God's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be able to abound in every good work. So one of the things we're gonna look, we're gonna see today is that when we give as God leaves, God will bless us, but it's not so much that we can just get more and so we can continue to be more increasingly generous and be used of God to do important things. And so in verse nine, he, he quotes from uh, Psalm 112 and he says, he has scattered, and if you were to look back at Psalm 112, the he is not referring to God, it's referring to the righteous man, the person who's walking with God. And so it says, he, the, the, the righteous person, the man or woman, has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. It's one of the things that, that people who walk with God do and his righteousness endures forever. And so Paul says, verse 10, so now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, in other words, God himself, he will also supply and increase your store of seed, your finances, and he'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. As you give, he will bless you so you have more seed so you can scatter that out and more righteousness comes up. You can use you even more. Verse 11, you'll be made rich in every way. And so here's the promise. He says, as you, as you give as God leaves, you'll be made rich in every way. Uh, obviously, this kind of riches take, takes in more than just uh, finances, but clearly the primary intention here is financial, as we'll see, because he says, you'll be made rich in every way so that, you might want to underline that, so that you'll be generous on every occasion and through us, uh, through this ministry, this project we're doing, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so now he has, enters in this third point, that, that as we give, uh, as God leads us, it leads to thanksgiving to God. And so here's the thought. Paul's taking this offering, right? God's working powerfully in these Christians to the north, moving them to give above their, uh, above their means. We read about that two weeks ago. Paul's gonna be moving in the Corinthians to give generously. And so now what's gonna happen is this large offering from uh, churches over a thousand miles away is going to come to these Christians in Jerusalem who are having a hard time putting food on the table. And when that happens, what's gonna happen? These Christians in Jerusalem, they've been praying, God, would you meet our need? You promised to meet our need. We're going through a hard time. And when that money comes, 
they're going to begin praising God. God, thank you for giving us our daily bread. Thank you for, but also thank you, God, for this amazing work you've done in these Christians a thousand miles away, Gentiles that we've never known that are truly following you and you've touched their heart. And so the praise is going to be going back to God, not just for the food, but for what he's done in the life of these believers. Does that make sense? And so Paul's going to say, and that's the way it works, is that when we respond and when we, when we give as God leads, it ends up leading praise to God because it shows that our faith in him is genuine and real and we truly treasure Jesus above our possessions and, we're, and we, because we love for him and others, we give. And so it, it brings honor and praise to God. And so he says in verse 12, the service that you perform, and in, in the Greek, the serv- word service is the word ministry there. That can be translated either way. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, in other words, in Jerusalem, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God, right? Because everyone's gonna hear, all the church is gonna hear what God's doing, and they're just gonna be worshiping God for, for what a beautiful move he's doing in his church. Now, I want you to catch that word there, overflowing. You may wanna underline that. There's a word in Greek, and it's not important that you, uh, that you remember the word, but let me throw it, throw it out there uh, just because it might be helpful. It's the word parasuo. And the word parasuo means to abound or to overflow. It's a word that speaks of, of abundance, okay? And so here he says it's that the praise will overflow. The interesting thing is it's the third time in this passage that Paul's used that word, and it's very profound what he's doing. And I want to show you, if you go back to verse 8, these are the kind of things that sometimes that you pick up, you know, just in the Greek that you don't just because you're verbally hearing them in the Greek. And it's like so people would just catch it, you know, because it's not like it's, like it's some deep truth. It's just that it's a, repet- a repetitive thing that's going on. In verse 8, uh, it says that God is able to make all grace what? Abound. Let's say it together. That God's able to make all grace what? Abound. So that's the word parasuo. So he says, and remember the context is God will will make his grace abound in the sense of financially. He'll bless you as you give, okay? So he says, God is able to make all grace parasuo to you so that in all times, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will what? Abound, parasuo, same Greek word, uh, in every good work. And that's the same word in verse 12 that this, fla- this praise in will overflow or parasuo. It's like a, like a cup overflowing. So here's the thought. Here's the thought. That God is the source of all grace, right? And he says that in verse 8, he says, he is going to make his grace overflow in your life financially. As you give, he's going to bless you. And then as a result, you will be able to overflow in good works because of the way he's blessed you. And then what will happen is because of what you've done, praise will overflow back to God. You see it? So I almost picture it like if, you, if you've ever been to the Sierras or something, you've seen these cascading waterfalls going down from one level to the other. It's like, like God starts this, this river of grace. He graces them by blessing them financially. And then it goes, they begin to bless others financially. And then people begin to bless God for what he has done. And this praise flows back. So if you go back to verse 13, then he says, um, because of the service or ministry by which you've proved yourselves. Catch that, prove yourself. So remember Paul has said that giving is a test. They claim to be loving God, loving people. He says this project will test whether that's true. And he says, so, so when you come through, you'll prove yourself. You'll pass the test. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, then, pe- uh, then men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. 
Sometimes you're claiming to be followers of Jesus, but now you're proving it by your generosity, this act of obedience. And so now men are gonna praise God because, man, they're serious about this. These people are serious about following Jesus. They really do love God. They really do love people. Look at they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're proving it. And then in verse 14, he says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you, these, these, these people praying, hearing about what they've done, because of the surpassing grace, there it is again, this grace that God has graced you supernaturally to be generous like this. And then he ends up, thanks be to God for his what? His, let's say it together, his what? His indescribable gift. And so this is the flow, uh, that God is the ultimate grace giver. Uh, who of us here, if you have a son or a daughter, wouldn't empty every bank account, sell every asset that you have in order to save your son or your daughter from being tortured and crucified? Like, like which of us, like if you told me today, you know, it's like this is gonna happen to your, your daughter. It's like, you know, you take whatever I want. I'm gonna do, you take whatever you want, everything I've got because, because she is more valuable than anything I own, right? And we would all do that. And yet, when you look at what Jesus did and what the Father did, the Father gave his very best to rescue us. He, he gave this indescribable gift. You can't even really put it into words. We'll never be able to fully understand it or describe It's indescribable. And so what... What the, we come full circle. This is the God we serve. We, we serve a God who is indescribable in his grace, right? And so this is what he wants to do in us. He wants to change us so we're like Jesus, so we have great joy uh, that, that, uh, like, like the Father or like the Son in their giving, that we be changed from the inside out. And so, so that's the passage. And so with that, Paul wraps up these two chapters with some of the richest chapter uh, passages in all the Bible on, on giving, on generosity, and why we do it and how we do it and uh, what happens when, when we follow. So what I want to do today is the last couple of weeks, we've done Generosity 101 the first week, Generosity 102. Today we're going to wrap up with Generosity 103, and assuming you do what God says, then you will have passed this course, all right? So here we go. Uh, uh, the power to give, uh, generosity 103. Three principles. I've already touched on them lightly. I just want to lay them out now and go deeper, unpack them. And so here we go. Number one, the first principle is that generosity is personal. That one thing that we've, we've learned over and over again is that, that as followers of Jesus, we don't give out of obligation. We don't give out of manipulation. Uh, we don't give out of just duty or, or something like that. That we don't give to impress others. That we give because we go before Jesus and, and of our deep love for him and out of his love for others that we give as he leads, okay? And so, so we don't do this in order because we're manipulated or guilted into it. In fact, I would say, it's like if that's why we give out of guilt, maybe we just shouldn't give for a while. Just like, just don't even do it, you know? Because if that's what our motivation is, uh, then we're kind of missing the whole spirit of this thing. And so Paul says this, of course, there in your note sheet in, uh, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, in, verse, uh, in your Bible rather, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he says, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, what God's leading him to give, uh, not reluctantly uh, nor under compulsion because God loves a what? A cheerful giver, right? Now when I was a, a kid, there was many times I hated that verse, Right, because my dad would always not only tell me I need to give, but I need to be happy about it. Uh, so now I'm not doing either thing right. But, but I remember there are exceptions, and exceptions. And I, and I remember this, this one time in my life um, where uh, you may have had experience like this, but I was about eight years old. And uh, my mom wanted this, this hair dryer. Now for those of you who are uh, not born in this century, 
or, or the last century, uh, that, you know, back in the day, all right, so like, like back in the day, before the land of uh, uh, hair blowers and millions of curling irons, right, which my wife has them all, uh, that before then, there was a day, think mad men, think that kind of, well, there was a day when, uh, when women would you know, put their hair up in curlers and that sort of thing and then have these hair dryers. And so my mom, she wanted this particular, it was a portable hair dryer. I remember I'm eight years old, and so it's this, this tube-like thing, and then this, uh, this kind of hose comes out the end of it, and then this bag goes over your head, and then you blow up the bag, and you look really cool. So, um, so anyway, so my mom wants this thing. And so I'm eight years old, and it's Christmas time. And I don't know why, but just, it just somehow was in my, my heart that I wanted to get this for my mom. That was a big gift. It was a lot of money. And, and so there's no way that she would ever guess that I would get this because it was just kind of over the top. But I've been saving my money for a long time. I mean, months, a year, whatever. You know, as a kid, I didn't have paper out. I don't know how I mean, made money, but it's just like saved all my money for a long time. And it was just in my heart that I wanted to get this for my mom because I just, you know, it wasn't like my dad was putting me up to it. You know, it wasn't like my dad was coming and saying, hey, Mike, uh, it's about time you chip in around here, right? And we need to get a really cool gift for your mom, and, uh, and I'm a little hard up right now, so uh, I'm thinking you need to do this, right? We'll put both of our names on it. It's from Dad and Mike. Uh, and so, and like, no, Dad, I want the BB gun. No, son, you've got to do this. And it wasn't like that. It was, just, it was just kind of flowing out of my heart because there was something inside of me. I just love my mom, and I just want to make her day, and this would just, she would just be blown away. She would never expect this, you know, from that I'd be able to buy this, and so so I went with my dad and I get this gift and I just could not wait to see your face, right? And you've, we've probably all been there. There's all been times, maybe it's not the hair blower, but we've all been there uh, where, where there's a time in your life where you have just gone over and above and you've given so generously. Maybe it's a sister, maybe it's to a brother. Uh, some of you guys, right, some of you guys right now are saving up to ask a girl to marry you. And you haven't, like you've eaten top ramen for the last eight years since you were 12 years old. <laughs> And you're like a little skinny person right now, but you're just, you're just happy to do it. You're just so happy because this woman has captured your heart and you want to buy this ring for her, right? Or as you, your kids get older and, and you're going to make a sacrifice so that they can go to camp or you're going to make a sacrifice so they can go to college so you won't get a new car for, for five, ten years. You, you won't go on that nice vacation. You're just going to give it all to your kids. And, and do we resent that? Uh, yes. No. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> With the college we do. No, uh, no, do we, we resent that? No, because we love our kids, right? And it's a joy to give, isn't it? And so that day when I gave it to my mom, it wasn't manip- I wasn't being manipulated. It wasn't out of guilt. That wasn't I'd be a bad kid if I didn't. I just loved my mom. And I couldn't wait for her to open up this present and just to be blown away by this gift. And, and so that's what Paul's saying. This is the kind of givers that God wants to create in us. That, that he, he wants to create in us a heart for God and a heart for others that's so big that it is our joy to give, you see? And so that's what he says there. He says, God doesn't want you to give out of compulsion. He doesn't want to give with reluctance. He wants to create hilarious givers, you see? 
And, and it's a beautiful thing. And that's supernatural, right? Because that doesn't happen on our own. This happens as, as Jesus sets us free from our materialism, our greed, our fear, our self-absorption. He changes us. And as we follow his spirit, then we're transformed and we're, we're changed. And joy becomes, uh, uh, and, and giving becomes a great joy. It was funny. I heard a story, a uh, true story uh, from J.D. You know, J.D.'s our worship pastor here. And, and J.D.'s like thoroughly networked because he, you know, traveled around the country so much and, and went uh, touring and all. And anyway, so one of his buddies is, uh, is down in a church in Orange County, and about three years ago, they were going through a building project, kind of refurbishing their, their whole uh, site and adding a building or so. And it was, it was big, $15, $20 million, it was a big project. And so as, as churches often do, they'd done some teaching on giving and generosity leading up to this, this uh, project. And so it's, it was just such a beautiful thing. He calls me in one day, he's telling me this story. His buddy had called him, was so blessed because that week during the offering, and this like wasn't prompted, it wasn't like no one led this, it just spontaneously, when they said, the, the pastor said, okay, we're now gonna receive the offering, the whole place just broke loose with applause. Right? The whole place is like a football game. Like, yes, you know, finally that part of the service where we can give. And when I heard that, I was just so moved by that. It was such a beautiful kind of illustration of a church like gathering, you know, kind of uh, grabbing hold of this thing of we're going to live for others, we're going to live for God, and it's a great joy. And so that's where it starts. Number one, that giving is personal. Number two, the second principle, and this is something we haven't really talked about in this series uh, at all, uh, but it's such an important principle, and Paul really drills down deep on it today. In fact, uh, honestly, if I were teaching on it, I, I would probably not drill down so deeply because uh, I think this principle has often been abused. But Paul really goes to town on this. I mean, he just really lays it out there, and it goes like this, that generosity is rewarded. Throughout the Bible, we're taught that when we give to the poor, we give to the Lord. We're taught that, that when we give regularly, systematic, off the top, like the kind of the concept of the tithe, that God will bless us. We, we saw this last week uh, when we talked about the Malachi passage, you know, that, that God says, if you do this, test me, I'll, pour open, I'll open up the, the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing you won't be able to take it all in. Uh, today, we have an example from the Old Testament, one of my favorite passages on generosity, Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. So give him your best off the top and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so we see this teaching all through scripture. Now, the teaching has often been abused. And like I said, no, no lie, if you, if you watch many like, TV preachers, especially late at night, you'll often see this. And, and there's this, we've talked about this in this series there's this false teaching out there that's sort of a health, wealth, prosperity gospel. And the idea, there's kind of a one-to-one -one correlation. You put your, your buck in the, you know, in, the, in the Coke machine and God's gonna give you two Cokes back or whatever. There's, there's kind of this mentality, like God's like this slot machine. He, he's obligated to do this. So if you give to God with a small spoon, he'll give back to you with a big spoon. And the idea is that as God's kids, he wants us all wealthy. So if you're not wealthy, there's just something wrong with your faith or your giving. And it's just, that's kind of what it comes down to. And so you probably, many of you have heard this and it's really a false teaching because we see throughout the Bible that people go through good times and bad times. You see guys like Job, tremendously blessed financially by God. Then he went through a time where he lost it all, also allowed by God. Then later on, he was blessed again. 
You see, in the New Testament, the apostle Paul was homeless, poor. We've seen that in 2 Corinthians. Jesus said the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so there isn't this carte blanche promise in the Bible that if you give to God, you're going to end up wealthy. Like you'll never go through hard times. You'll never lose your house. You'll never, uh, you'll, you'll never uh, kind of lose your job or whatever. But having said that, that is a consistent teaching of Scripture all the way through. That if we will trust God with our finances and we give as he leads us, that he will bless us over and over again. And in fact, I would say this in my own life, there's so many reasons why I give, but one of them is because I truly believe that. He said that if you do this, I will bless you, and if you don't, I won't. And I, I shared this last week that from my own life, that like yeah, for me, not to give back to God, I would feel like, man, the discipline's gonna be coming. Like dad's gonna be coming, right? You know? And so it's like, I know he loves me, uh, but because he loves me, he's gonna discipline me and he's not gonna let me get away with this, right? And so, so there's this promise throughout scripture that God will bless us when we give. And this is so important, especially for those of us who are afraid that if we give to God, I won't have enough. Right? It's a deep fear that we have. It's also hard for us, those of us who live and, and we're really under sort of a uh, kind of a spiritual bondage of greed. It, it's, like, it, it's, it's, a, uh, it's like a spiritual stronghold in our life that, that for whatever reason, the way you're wired is that you live for stuff and you live for things in your bank account and it's just, it's just a bondage in your, your life. There's not really a freedom there. And, and so for, for whether it's fear or greed, for many of us, it's hard to give because we're afraid that if we do, we won't have enough or we won't reach these certain goals or whatever. And so this is such an important promise because what Paul says is what the whole Bible says, God, if you trust him, he will meet your needs. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is that Paul adds a twist to this. If you listen to the false teachers, the health wealth people, what they'll basically say is that God wants to increase your standard of living. So give to God and he will bless you because he wants you rich. What Paul says is when you give to God, he will bless you. And part of that's for you to use. But part of that is for you to give more. So you can give more and bless more people. And so there's this teaching of Jesus that to whom much is given, much is required. And you're going to see a very balanced teaching on this in Paul. So let's look at this. In 9.6... Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Very clear. If you want God to bless you financially, then the, the, the principle is then reap, I mean, then sow generously and you will reap generously. Very clear in context. If you know, go down to verse uh, eight, uh, Paul says, and God's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. That as you give this project, Paul says, God's gonna meet you so you'll have all that you need. But then he goes on, so that you can abound in every good work. And so God's gonna bless you so that you have all your need. Yes, he wants to bless you, give you good things. There's a great passage, it's not on your note sheet that you might wanna jot down. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 through 19. And in that passage, what Paul says is that when God blesses us, he wants us to richly enjoy all things. You see, that's why he gives it, to richly enjoy all things. He says, but be sure when God blesses you that you're generous and you do good and you lay up treasure in the life to come so you can, with, you can reach out and take hold of that which is life indeed. And so there's this very balanced teaching, right? So as we 
as we give. He'll bless us. Some of that's for to enjoy, but some is to increase our giving. So verse uh, 11, you'll be made rich in every way uh, so that you may be generous on every occasion. And, and so this, this teaching. So, so very important for those of us who struggle in this area, there's a promise here. The promise is as you give, as God uh, uh, leads you, that he will meet your needs and he will bless you for it. And, and if, so if you don't do that, then you're missing that blessing. As we saw last week, that if we're being disobedient, we may be under even a curse, in the sense that was the language Malachi used, that God's going to, you know, make things break or whatever. Or just as like, he's going to get your attention because he wants to transform us to be like him. The third, the third principle is that generosity is worship. And, and I mean this in a couple different senses. Th- this is true in a, uh, in a direct sense. In other words, that uh, worship, if, if you were to break it down, like what is worship truly about? Like worship at its core is certainly more than what happens here on Weekend We Sing, right? That worship at its core is about giving ourselves to God. At its core, worship is about taking my life, all that I am, and saying, God, I I live for you. You are so amazing. I am going to live for you because you deserve it. And so I'm giving all that I have, uh, all that I am to you. So Paul talks about this. In Romans 12, 1, he says, in light of what God has done for you in Christ, this amazing love, he says, I urge you, brothers, to give your bodies, your whole lives, to God as an acceptable act of spiritual worship. Okay, so he says, you're, you're Christ followers now. You're gonna live a life of work. So when we, go, when we go to work and we work on the job as if for Jesus, our work becomes an act of worship. When, when we raise our children well and we love them well as an act of service to Jesus, that becomes an act of worship. God, we give, are, are you with me in this? That, that worship, we live a life of worship because anything that God calls us to do that we do for him it becomes, this is for you, it becomes an act of worship. But this is especially true in the area of generosity and giving. That, for example, when we, we come here at our weekend services, or maybe you give online, which uh, is a, it's a great way to do it, but whether it's you give here, you give online or whatever, when we give our resources back to God, it is an act of worship. Right? And so, so we, that's why at the end, we do at the end of our service, during a time of worship, we're giving back to you, it's an act of worship. You know, it's funny, every week I get several cards from those of you who have, um, you know, some input for, for my life. Um, <laughs> the most choice ones are always anonymous, which I usually don't read, because I feel like if you don't have the nerve or the integrity to put your name on it, like, why should I listen? You know, because it's like, I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, it's like, it, it, you know, you, you can only respond to things in context. You know, like, like well, who's saying it, and where was it, and what service, and what? And so, but, um, but, but there's, uh, this was the card of the week. This was a good one. <laughs> it was from a young, it was from a young man. And uh, seriously, that, if sometimes you could read some of these cards, it's not very many, it's not very many, it's usually like, you know, three or four anonymous ones, but if you could read some of the anonymous cards come in, you'd really want to say, are you serious, right? <laughs> really, really, a Christ follower, really, you know? But, um, but anyway, this was a great card. This was from a young man, and uh, I could tell by his writing, but he says, uh, f- he says, for Pastor Mike, this is awesome, he says, um, perhaps you could mention that some people give online 
So don't give them odd looks if the offering basket goes around and they don't put anything in. Isn't that great? You know, I, I just think that's a great principle in general, that at least while we're here, let's just not give each other odd looks, right? You know, because really there's not an appropriate time. Like during worship, just to give the odd look. Like, you know, during the teaching, give the odd look. It's just... Uh, really, we just agree that odd looks are probably not the best uh, anywhere, but his, po- his point is well taken, but I had to share that with you because uh, it made me laugh. It was really just like, that's so cool. That's just awesome. So um, anyway, um, so, 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 so generosity is an act of worship. But when we get, whether it's online or in person or check or, you know, automatically, whatever. It is an act of worship. It's like, God, here I'm giving back to you of what you've given to me. It's an act of worship. By definition, that's what it, what it becomes. You know, if our heart's responding to what he is calling us to do, it's an act of worship. But what Paul is saying here is more than that. What Paul is saying here is that, that when we give, that it often leads to worship uh, from other people of God. And his case in point is, is he says, look, this is what's going to happen here. He says, as, as you give to these poor Christians in Jerusalem, first of all, they're going to be praising God for you and what he's done in your life and how you've met their need. But secondly, all around the world, the church of Jesus is going to hear about this story, and they're going to be worshiping God. Because when you hear about a, a brother or sister in Christ who does something amazing, doesn't it cause you to praise God? Like, I don't care in whatever area it is. They, they take a tough stand of courage. They stand up for Christ in a difficult way. They, take a, they, they decide, um, there's a sin in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it behind. Whatever it is, when a brother or sister o- obeys Jesus in a, in a way that's difficult, it brings praise out. Like, right? We're just like, that is so awesome. God, thank you for what you're doing. And it just affirms who we are and what Jesus is all about. And, and Paul says that's, what's go, that's what exactly what happens. And so like if you look at verse 12 and verse 13, Paul says this service you perform, it's not only supplying the needs of God's people, it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Verse 13, because, you're, because by this service you proved yourself um, that men are praising God for the obedience that is accompanying your confession of faith. And so when we give as God leads, what, what it does is it affirms, catch this, it affirms that what we claim to believe about Jesus is really true. And, and I want you to think with me, this is really powerful, it's a profound principle, that when a man or woman comes to Jesus, by definition, we are laying down our idols, aren't we? But by definition, we're saying, Jesus, I have followed other gods. I may have followed the God of sexuality. I may have followed the God of drugs. I may have followed the God of materialism. I may have followed the God of fame, whatever. But, but, but all these things, Jesus, I now see they're false gods. They'll never satisfy me. And I see that you are my true God and you are my true treasure. And so I'm laying down everything else I'm repenting, I'm turning from all, and I'm making, you are my true God, and I'm giving myself to you, all that I have. That's what we say, right? When when a person becomes a Christian, that's what we're saying, that we are now Jesus followers. We're now God followers through Christ, so we're we're true worshipers, right? We've laid down our idols. And so, so what happens is that's what we say about ourselves. That's the claim we're making. When a man or woman puts their money where their mouth is, 
everyone around says, wow, look at the obedience that's following that confession of faith. Everyone around says, that's not just words. Those Christians are not just saying that. I mean, they're, they're serious about it. They're serious about loving God and because nothing shows that more than money, right? Because it's such a high value. It's like when are we put our money where our mouth is, everyone sits up and says, wow, they are serious about this. Let me share a story from our own church, just a remarkable story from the last couple weeks. You know, two weeks ago, I did this, uh, the first, first message in this series, The Power to Give. And I don't know if you were here that weekend, but during that week, we also had our, our team up on stage that's going to Uganda. Like right now, we have one of our global ministries teams over in Uganda, mostly made up of students, uh, sharing the message of Christ, uh, le- leading a bunch of things over there. And so we brought them up on stage. You remember that? And we prayed for them. Well, so that, and that later that day, I start off the series on the power to give. And so I do the teaching. At the end of this service, it was, uh, this person was in the 11 o'clock service. This lady comes up. And, and she, um, she, she was some, I recognized her. She, had, she was fairly recent to Rocky Peak because I'd met her in our, one of our next step desserts recently. And so I recognized her. And, and that particular day, every service is different. But as you know, I'm typically up here after the service and I'll just kind of talk with whoever needs to talk with whatever we're going through. And that day there was a particularly a lot of people that needed to talk. There were some serious issues going on. There was probably, I would guess, maybe 11 or 12 people that wanted to talk to me. And so I was here probably for a half an hour after the service just talking. And I, I was watching this lady off in the wings just kind of waiting for me. And I was wondering, I wonder if she's going to wait the whole time, you know. But sure enough, she did. And so she comes up at the end and she said, Mike, I just, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I, I want to make a gift. I want to make a gift, um, a special gift for Uganda, to go to Uganda. I saw the people there, I want to make a special gift. And so inside, my mind starts to race because honestly, like here at Rocky Peak, we take this really seriously. If you give to a specific cause or you, you say, this is for this, uh, that, uh, for like a missions thing or something unusual like that, we always honor that. We would never use that for anything else other than that. And so uh, I'm thinking, well, that, that ministry's already been funded. The money has been raised. The, the trip's been paid for. So my mind's thinking like, okay, I'm going to need to explain this and ask her how she would like me to handle this gift. So that's what's going through my mind. But, but as she's talking, she's explaining that really what she wants is she wants to just give this gift so that our team going over there has this extra money. To, to give to the poor. That's what she's feeling is on her heart. And, and she says, and so she wants them to have total discretion. She just wants them, as, as they're over there, as they're praying, as they feel like God is putting on their heart, this is what that money's for, um, that, that, you know, that they would have the freedom to, to use it. I said, absolutely, you can make sure. So, so I, you know, I instantly talked with Brian Moorhead, got, got, the, you know, got this all squared away and so on. And so that would happen. And so, okay, so let's fast forward. Now, so that, now it's the last Wednesday. It's last Wednesday, and they're in this church service over in Uganda with Pastor James. Some of you know Pastor James. It's a newer work that's starting. And, and this church is expanding. It's growing. We're helping them. And, and they are trying to, uh, they're trying to build a school and get some accreditation. Uh, but you have to, they, they, they have some specific needs there. And like the, their big need is that they, they need a library and, and they need a laboratory in order to get the next level of, of approval to move forward in this process. And of course, we, we don't know that. You know, we're just over there, right? What we know is that there this whole church is going through 40 days of fasting and prayer right that God would meet their needs and we don't so we don't know the details of any of that 
And so they're, they're fasting and they're praying. And so they have this Wednesday night service. And of course, it's like, it's church in Uganda. It's raucous. You know, it's like, you're, it's, it's, it's like it's moving, it's shaking, worship is going. It's a great time. And so one of the guys from our church, Mike Barlow, some of you know Mike. Um, Mike is on that team. He's one of the dads on that team. And so he was the guy who was supposed to bring the message that night. And so he had a message prepared. But as he gets up there, he feels like God's moving him to give a different message. And so he gives this message. He doesn't know anything about the situation with the school, that whole thing. He gives this message about how God will always meet our needs and we need to trust him uh, and that God has a plan and he's in control of our life and we just need to trust him. He's looking at this whole message. And then after that, our students go forward and, and they, they tell this church, they make this presentation that there is this, this, you know, this lady and there's this thing at Rocky Peak and this gift was given and so we have this check we wanna give you and it's for $5,000. And so they share this with this church and the church goes crazy. They are just freaking out, praising God, worshiping God, and then we find out that in order to get accreditation that they needed $5,000, and they've been praying for this. Now, what, what that is, that's a modern day illustration of exactly what's going on in Jerusalem. Paul says, as you give, as God's leading to these believers, you'll never meet that are across the ocean, a different culture, a different race. As you give, that when they receive that gift, they're going to worship God, not just for the gift, but for the grace he's done in your life to lead you and to move you and to make you like Jesus. And the whole world's going to know there is a movement on planet Earth. It's a new movement, right? It's a movement where where Gentiles and where Jews who used to hate each other and wouldn't even have dinner, they're now supporting one another across thousands of miles. And the movement of Jesus is going to go forth and the name of Jesus is going to be praised and worship's going to happen. And, and, so Paul says, that's, and that's exactly what happened, right, in this story. And so after I hear this story, I'm so blessed by this, I send the email to this lady who has given, right? And, and so she answers back to that email, and I ask her, by the way, if it ever seems appropriate, could I share this with our church, right? Not, not mentioning it, it might be this weekend. And so, um, <laughs> so anyway, because I was still praying about that, but anyway, this weekend I felt like he did want me to share this. And so here, here's her email back. She says, hi, Pastor Mike, thank you so much for putting me on the email list and sharing this update with me. From, from the moment I received the money, and so it sounds like it was sort of a windfall, I don't really know, but from the moment I received the money, God put it on my heart to give it to Uganda, to the poor specifically. She said, and I couldn't figure out how to get it there. It had been weighing on me so much, and when I saw our team up on the platform coming up for prayer, I started crying. I was so grateful. Praise the Lord. God is so good all the time. It really made me cry tears of joy. I feel so incredibly grateful for our church and you and all that God's done for me in my life. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for leading us and kind of goes on and just what God's doing here at Rocky Peak. And you, you see what's happening? God graced this woman, right? He graced her. What have we learned in this series? The generosity flows out of a supernatural work of God. This wasn't her idea to take $5,000 and give it to Uganda. God graced her. He put it in her heart. She surrendered to her leading. 
to the leading of the Holy Spirit. She began to pray, God, I don't even know how to get the money to Uganda. It's supposed to be the point, I don't even know how to get there. She comes to church, this is going on. God touches her heart, tears are coming down her face. Why, because God has now made a way. And do you see what I'm saying? She is a hilarious giver. She's a hilarious giver, right? It's not reluctance, it's not compulsion. She doesn't have to do this. And so what happens? She, God's grace flows into her life with this $5,000. She, the grace overflows out of her life to these brothers and sisters who are poor across the world that, that she'll never meet. And now what happens is they are worshiping God because of what's happening. And now we're all praising God for what he's done. And Paul says that's exactly what happens. When men and women get serious about Jesus and serious about surrendering our finances, he has the capacity to do things that truly matter and send a message that Jesus is Lord, money is not our God. We no longer worship at the idol, idol, idol of mammon that we have surrendered our life and he can use us to change the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, as we wrap this up, I want you to look at the final thing the Apostle Paul says. In, as he wraps up this whole teaching, it comes back to God because, of course, that's where it all begins. And in verse 15, he says, thanks be to God for his what? His what? His indescribable gift. This amazing God who, while we were his enemies, gave the very best uh, a gift that can't even be described, we could never fathom it, so that you and I as rebels could come home and enter into this new relationship, be totally forgiven, receive the gift of his spirit, and be transformed to be the people we were created to be, like him, that we would become people of grace too, people of generosity. And as we wrap up this series, we want to celebrate this God. It's not about us, it's about this God and who he is and what he does in our life. And we want to celebrate that by celebrating communion together. And so if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and you receive this great gift, what I'm going to ask as we go into worship, as we move the tables around the room, as you find a quiet spot, as you pray, as you worship, here's what I'd ask. The number one, you take a moment to thank God for the indescribable gift that makes this all possible. And secondly, I would ask you that you would ask him, that you would change you from the inside out, that you'd truly be like Jesus, that you'd be able to hear his voice and give as he leads to wherever he says that his name would be honored. And, and make that a prayer of your heart. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you're hungry for Jesus, you want to enter into a relationship, you want to receive this gift of new life, the gift of his spirit, forgiveness of sins, based on the death and resurrection, you want to be transformed and you're ready to lay down your idols, there's no better way than to do that by receiving communion with us. By coming to the table, you take the bread, you take the, 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 the blood, and you go before Christ and you, you thank him for what this indescribable gift, you ask him to come into your life, change you, forgive you, and, and teach you how to follow. If you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I would say that, and you're not ready to receive this gift he's offering, I would encourage you not to receive this today because uh, it, it won't be obvious, we're all milling around or whatever, we're not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, but just because, because it's really, when you take communion, it's saying thank you for the gift. And if we haven't received it yet, you want to wait till you have received it because then it becomes meaningful. And so would you stand with me as we're going we're gonna to pray now. We're going to pray into communion and we're going to worship and we're going to thank God for his gift. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for your indescribable gift. And thank you for this series. 
and teaching us that if we want to truly grow and be like you, that we want to be changed from the inside out, that are people that are generous people. We give to your kingdom. We give to the poor. We give to people in our life group. We take care of one another. That we give to worthy causes. We give to those who are suffering by the roadside, like the Good Samaritan. We're just givers. It's what we do. And that you'd set us free from our fears that we won't have enough. You'd set us free from our materialism or other gods who have ruled us. We say other gods have ruled us in the past, but we lay those down. We ask you to be our true God and to supernaturally change us as we surrender to the leading of your spirit. And we pray as we come, you'd give us a fresh appreciation of the price you paid, how much you gave for us, that we might be transformed, that we could be like you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Next week, we're going to continue the series that, uh, that, uh, of 2 Corinthians. We're entering a brand new series, though. Inside of your uh, program, you have this little invite card. It's called The Power of Perspective. And so, uh, really, uh, Paul, this is going to be our final series in the book of 2 Corinthians. What Paul says is when you come to Jesus, we, we enter into covenant with God. We've talked about that. We receive the gift of His Spirit. But, but in order to be truly transformed, we have to learn to change and let Jesus change our whole perspective on life. And often we don't do that, and we don't do that uh, that we don't experience transformation. And, and so that's what happened to the Corinthians. They'd come to Christ, but they're still thinking their old thought patterns. And so we're calling this series The Power Perspective, Changing the Way You Think. I hope you can join us. This will take us up uh, until the, the, kind of the middle of September when we launch uh, our new series, which is uh, uh, called, you know, it's, it's all about kind of unleashing the movement of Christ. And so uh, looking forward to that. Uh, don't forget that right after the service that uh, we'll be doing a baptism today. And so, uh, yeah, we're excited about that. And so uh, for those of you who are new at Rocky Peak, about every three or four months, we do them right here in the middle in, in, in our service up here on stage. But uh, this young man just feels like God is calling. He's really putting on his heart. We want to honor that. If you happen to be here today and you feel a similar calling on your life, you want to confess Jesus as your Lord, turn from your past, have your sins washed away, enter into a new relationship with Christ. That's what baptism symbolizes. Uh, then just join us. In about five or ten minutes, we're going to go out in the water, clothes on and all. And so uh, until then, I want to jump to the end of 2 Corinthians with the words of the Apostle Paul where he says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this week as we run hard after him together. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. I'll see you out there. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at the Peak, thanks for listening. <laughs>